team of adolescent superheroes recently finds that a parallel universe exists where players of a cursed game, a blend of Dungeons and Dragons, and a dungeon-crawling board game become trapped and forced to live out their characters' lives. What happens when six ordinary people, Morgan and Jack, Erico and Cordelia, Tamsin and Tobias, find their fate tied to this world, possibly forever? This is the Dungeon Crawlers novella series. A series of fantasy novellas spinning off the popular Indestructibles series. Intrigued? Well, stay tuned because... Uh, it's author and GM Matthew Fillion this week on the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters, as well as experienced and new players alike. We hope to bring you the tools needed to not only be a great GM, but to help you develop as a player. I'm your host, Louis Aponte. Our stars of the show are Scott Labby and Bill Robotile. Let's enter the dojo and see what both Bill and Scott have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. How's it going? How are you? Great. Great. We have a guest. Yes, we we have have a special guest. guest here. Yes. Hi, Matt. How you doing today? I'm doing all right. How's everybody doing? Not bad. Fantastic. Thanks for uh, taking the time to hang out with us today. Well, thanks for having me on. Oh, anytime. Yeah, we <laughs> met uh, we met Matt at uh, Boston Comic Con. Yep. Yep. Um, in the uh, it was the the artists artists area where the authors and uh, game creators and all the the really really the, talented the, folks. The people with way out. more yeah. talent than us. <laughs> we just babble and blubber through. Th- <laughs> That's the only talent we have at the moment. And they'll get to speak with someone with like true talent. Hey, you're giving us too much credit. We're all we're all. There's a reason why they stick us in the back of Comic Con, like we're over in the corner, you know, away from the, the, the furthest thing. That's from the because they don't want you to outshine everything else there. That's what it is. That's exactly it. <laughs> so we'll jump right into it. So, Matt, tell us, tell the listeners about the Indestructibles and the Dungeon Crawler series. How did these stories come to be? Sure. Um, the uh, well, it's funny. I was um, uh, the Indestructibles are a young adult superhero series, um, no, uh, comics as novel format, basically. Uh, which I joke around that I started writing because I can't draw well enough to do a comic. Um, <laughs> but it also been um, I was a, a film director, film writer, and I was writing you know grown up stuff. I was writing romantic comedies and directing and. Um, I wanted to do something just for me. So if it bombed, I'd be the only one that was disappointed. So I'm like, I'll I'm gonna write a book. I'm going to write a book about superheroes. And that's the thing that kind of hit and found an audience. It was sort of um, an unexpected, like, eh, I'm just going to write this and see what happens. And um, and then it found an audience. So I guess I get to write another one. <laughs> I guess I get to write another <laughs> one. And then it just kept going. Well, that's, that's, um, that's good. And uh, and from there, the, the Dungeon Crawlers was actually, I write, um, I write little giveaways, like I write a, I'll write a Christmas story every couple of years and stuff with the Indestructibles just to kind of thank the readers, you know, give something back. And um, I started writing, like, what if they got stuck in a game? I want to do, like, an homage to the D&D uh, cartoon from when we were kids, right? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it turned out to be way more fun to write than I was expecting, so it certainly turned into a novella instead of just a short story, like a, like a little gimme that I was going to do. I figured it'd be, like, you know, 30 pages or something, it turns into a real book. Um, and I liked the setting so much, and so many people enjoyed the setting so much. I'm like, well, I, 
and the hero's got to go back and save the world. Like, they got other stuff to do. They can't be stuck in the game forever. But what if a couple of regular people get stuck in the same place where the Indestructibles did? Um, and would they want to even go home? Because, you know, superheroes want to go home. <laughs> they, they, have stuff, <laughs> they, have, they have a world to save. What if you or I got stuck in a game and got to be the character that we get to play, you know, with our friends every Sunday afternoon? Um, would you actually want to go back to real life, or would you want to stay and, and see how things turned out? And that's the, the Dungeon Crawlers um, series is when the regular people get trapped in that exact same... It's it's you know what it is when you read it. I always say it's it's kind of a combination of um, D and D and the Descent, um, the board game, like yep. somewhere somewhere layered in between the two of those um, that they're trapped in. And um, it's just uh, I, I, the running thing is like, do you really want to go home? Yeah. <laughs> you know, very <laughs> very cool premise. Very very cool premise. Yeah, I when I was uh, when I was reading the the Dungeon Crawlers stuff, I I got a. I got kind of like a, a vibe from, do you remember E.T.? Mm -hmm. One of the beginning scenes in E.T. was Elliot's brother playing D&D &D with, oh, yeah. you know, with his buddies. And then, you know, some of the opening scenes of Stranger Things. Yep. And then that whole um, Dungeons and Dragons kind of cartoon feel. Like for me, it was, it was, it was nostalgic for, for a young kid who would probably be a cool, you know, like, like, new thing that they could really really get themselves into especially if they were they were really into that even if they weren't a D, &D player but if they were just really into that kind of like story that genre mm -hmm. see for scott and I, scott and i are both old um <laughs> so <laughs> nostalgia for us drives almost everything uh and when we read stuff it, it especially things you, you like you've put together a couple different areas together in one little creature all by its lonesome and it starts firing off at different levels for us for nostalgia mm -hmm. like you said it you know the beginning of this one the beginning of that one and the old cartoon and, and you start you know flashing back to wow when i was a kid man the, the, the excitement and of, of finding out this stuff brand new and and for the younger audience i, I could hope they could have that kind of excitement where him and i look back and going wow okay this is this is taking me back 35 40 years this is cool it's funny i'm actually i'm essentially a nostalgia machine at this point because you know the superhero stuff is a is a love letter to comics the dungeon crawlers are a love letter to the rpgs that i've played my whole life um and i didn't think that was where i was going to go as a writer but that's where i, I kind of live now is that <laughs> it, like using nostalgia and trying to do something fun with it as opposed to just leaning completely on it and yeah that's kind of the goal is like I want folks like us. Like I, I they, um, it, 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 it wanted to be recognizable while giving just giving people something new to to check out too. That's really cool. All right. So, what can we expect from both teams? Uh, so um, I've left uh, for anybody caught up on the dungeon crawlers. A little bit of a cliffhanger um, in the most recent, um, and it's a, it's it's sort of an experimental format. I'll do three ebooks, and then a collected edition, a print edition. Um, after the, all three ebooks are out. So um, I've currently got two more of the novellas to write to put the third, this, the sort of second act of the story together. Um, and I've left it on uh, essentially uh, without giving too much away. They have, they have um, um, split the party. <laughs> oh, and, uh, and, and we way, all know what happens uh, when you split the party. Yep. <laughs> and and, uh, and, and in, in part for story reasons, I realized that as a, as a writer, I like writing, um, it's tough to have five or six or seven characters in a scene all the time. I like to get two or three people together and see how they interact. And so I wanted them to kind of um, 
I don't know, uh, split the fellowship a bit, you know, and, and, and send them in different directions to find some answers. So uh, the next the next two stories will be those two sets of um, characters um, seeking out uh, some answers to things that come up in the most recent book. Um, cool. And for the Indestructibles, I'm working on a prequel. Um, the mentor of the story, um, uh, Doc Silence, uh, has been sort of a popular, um, one of the more popular characters in the books. And I've always wanted to go back and, tell people how he got to where he is because he's the he's the old guy he's our age in 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 the books with all these kids you know trying to help them bumble their way into saving the world uh so the next project from that will be um where he came from and it'll be it, it, it's funny I, I was calling it a ya but it's sort of almost a coming of age story instead of uh, like it's really like starting off small um before um indestructible starts off like right with a bang with you know a burning building and people saving you know uh, saving lives and this one is going to be sort of a slow burn of um you know, how does, in a world where magic exists, but so does everything else, like, so does our reality, how do you layer those two in, and how do you look behind the veil? Cool. Um, that, that's, that, that's the next two for them, so. I know I can't wait. <laughs> so you, you've, you've got some other cool stuff going on as well, so I, I hear there's a war brewing between Atlantis and the surface world, so I'm really, really intrigued uh, about that. That's my that's my um my poor neglected middle child, <laughs> so, uh, um, the echo echo in the sea, uh, which is about um, it started off as like hey, I just kind of want to write a, it's was it uh Aquaman for my universe like just that whole every every superhero universe has an Atlantis right, and it ended up becoming my like sort of like most talking like dealing with real worlds story uh of, um uh, between the three series and it's set in the same world as the indestructibles this, this cameos but they sort of they're parallel so you can read them separately and not actually need to feel like you have to have read one before the other um, but that's about a girl named deco who finds out she's atlantean and um, her misfit co uh, companions as they try to stop a war not only with the surface but with atlantis kind of coming apart at the seams whether they want to be isolationist or whether they want to seek revenge for what the world has done to the ocean and these poor characters in between like who get thrown into it that really have, have no side other than trying to keep the world safe you know um so that's it's funny that's one of my favorite books that i've written the the the, the two the um echo in the sea and the sequel side and scar um and it's also the one that people talk the least about so i'm always like oh i can just talk about echo this is great because it's, it's it, i really call it I always call it my neglected middle child. Like, you know, the, the, there's the one that came first, and this is the new baby, and then this poor one in the middle doesn't get all that much uh, conversation. So, I have a 12-year-old a girl at home that I think would be, like, all over, all over that sort of thing. And I went looking for, like, a hard copy because I was like, I need, to get, I need to get these. Yeah, my 13-year-old my uh, <laughs> would, uh, would love, these, love this, too, in hard copies. I got to find it myself. So I, I, I think... If there's no hard copy, I may have to I may have to splurge for a Kindle for her, <laughs> um, and and get those on there, because they're they're really cool books, and I I think she would really like really really like those. And uh, the physical copies are out there actually. It's uh it's just not usually not the local bookstore. When you're a small enough author, you know you kind of understand like the the local bookstores might not not um necessarily know about you yet. But um uh, uh I I um. You know, Amazon will carry it and stuff like that. So the the physical, the, the the actual hard copies do exist. It's just, it's funny. Can we get anything physically anymore? 
not allowed to leave the house and go in and burn things at all. So. Yes, but you have to sanitize it thoroughly before. Yeah, you got to leave the book on the front porch for three days before you're allowed to read it. Yeah, right? and, yeah. and use gloves. <laughs> and missed it with Purell. Exactly, it's just spritzing it from the from the window. So. So these uh, these books are geared towards young people, but I really enjoyed I enjoyed reading them a lot. Um, is there a reason there's a focus on young people playing D and D or or a game like it? Um, it's funny because I didn't intend to be a YA writer. I just sort of wrote something to entertain myself. So I suppose that kind of says more about me than it says about the writing process. Like you're feeding your inner child. <laughs> but yeah, that's what it is. I, it's um, I really I wrote it to make myself laugh or to you know to have have fun with it. Um, which I think is the best advice you can give any writer is you know write what. Right, what you enjoy because if you're not the only person who's going to like what going to like it, you know, you're not so unique that whatever you're enjoying writing isn't going to be um, so unique to you that you're really the only one's going to like it. But yeah, it was sort of an accident, and I, you know, I write it and I go, I think I've got a YA book, and that was actually how I, ac I accidentally approached the publisher with the first one. I was like, I think it's YA, I guess it doesn't really fit the bill of like, you know, most of you know, there's all those stereotypes of YA where it's you know, young female protagonist and a and a rom, you know, um dueling romances and all that other stuff and this is more like it's a bunch of kids just trying to do the right thing and but it's the right age range and it's the right um audience that it fit that category um it's funny because i'm working on a little side project right now a bunch of about um a bunch of uh aging adventurers who find out that all the good things they did in the world were being taken advantage of um and have to go back and try to f settle some scores and it's a bunch of grumpy old old guys like like you know like it's like this is me oh, i can get behind that yeah, i can get well, behind that know? i am both grumpy and, and old <laughs> it's funny because i was like i was almost afraid to leave my space there with the ya because i've kind of the publishing doesn't really want you to they want you to stay in your 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 uh your shelf <laughs> you know um it's 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 helpful to kind of know where you know what your specialty is but i'm like i really am kind of obsessed with these you know, it's the, you know, the, the aging barbarian who hasn't found anything that can kill him yet. And he's kind of upset about it, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, I've just, I've been going, like, I'm tired, man. Like nothing's got me yet and I'm getting tired. And then they find out that, you know, they thought they did a bunch of good in the world and it didn't turn out the way they wanted to. So they decided it's, it's almost like a heist book. And um, it's a chance to take a break from being solely focused on that coming of age, young, uh, young character thing. But I still... I've got deadlines. I get deadlines. I get young characters to write all the time. <laughs> so. Give us more. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, um, it's a true story. I'm at Comic-Con, and I've written, I think it was eight books in six years or something like that. It was pretty, pretty prolific. And, but they'll come in, spur in you know, spurts. And there was one Comic-Con where I only had the new, it was the new um, uh, role for initiative. It was this, the, the Indestructibles fantasy um, novella. This kid walks up to me and he he bought the books last year and he go he looks at the new one and he goes, That's it? <laughs> <laughs> well that's how that tells you a lot right there to sell. Oh, I want more. Yeah, I just stab. <laughs> yeah, oh, right in the heart. Yeah. That's it. I'm like, that's it. That's it. I've got and there's five, I think there were five or six full length books on the table, and then this little novella and he just wanted something new. <laughs> and the but the the the, the punchline to that is a year later I had three books come out that following year. And I'm like I hope that kid comes back. I want him to come back <laughs> with three books. 
Take that, you little shit. <laughs> he didn't show. So like, oh, I was really hoping he'd show. I'd be like, look, you guilted me into writing three books this year, and it, did, and it never came in. So Yeah, but he would have wanted five the year after that. Yeah, he would have been like, oh, what, only three books this year? You know, how many? It's like, three? I'll have that done in, like, four months. Well, but yeah, that, it, that, that goes to say how well the kid, these kids are taken to these books as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're obviously going at them voraciously, so that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it was – it's a good thing to want people to want more. Um, occasionally, you feel like you feel guilty. Either you either some people will be resentful. I feel guilty about not getting books out as fast as, as people might want them. Um, but then, it's, it's better than having nobody ask for it, right? So. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're still a young podcast, so we haven't experienced any of those sensations no, yet. No, we haven't. <laughs> no, we haven't. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's nobody's asking us for more. No. <laughs> the next I'm still know. waiting. We're just chucking it out there and hoping they listen. <laughs> that's that's the trick, though. Just keep throwing things into the you know like into the universe, and and people will find you. That's what they. Well, apparently, our numbers are going up, so I guess somebody likes us. There's <laughs> a few people. Yeah. We just need to see more comments. <laughs> so more comments and reviews. This 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 is gonna be a multi part question for you. Um, sure. When did you start playing the table? Uh, when did you start playing tabletop RPGs, and what drew you towards the hobby? And um, what are your favorite what are your favorite tabletop RPGs? Um, God, you know it's funny because the thing that got me into it was um, I had nobody to play with, but I was a, I was a kid that you couldn't drag me away from Walden books. Are, are yep. we all local? Remember those? Yep. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in the mall, and my little, you know, eight-year-old self would go wandering in, and and you, and it was seeing. I was actually thinking about this before, right before we jumped in. I'm like, I know I had copies of first edition stuff. I don't know how I got it or where I got it. I remember buying um, second ed- um, uh, AD&D. I remember yep. the yep. the hard covers of the player player's manual and the DN, uh, the Dungeon Master Guide uh, because that art. Like, I can call the art from those books to mind like this. And it was the thing, like, look at this dude on the horse running away from, like, there's this, um, it pulled you right in. Yep. And then yep. I'm there reading it going, I need to find people to play this with. This is amazing. <laughs> um, so I probably didn't start playing till middle school when I finally actually had people that were willing to jump on jump on a table with me. Um, and then, uh, and then you know, life in college and everything else happened. So I had some time in between. But that it started young. And it was what drew me to it was I didn't have anybody tell me about it. I, it was there on a shelf in a Walden books in, in Somerville, Massachusetts and just pulled it off the shelf and went, I want this. And my, my father actually had a rule of um, any book I'll read, he would buy for me. It is not a bad way to turn a kid not, into not a, not a bad way. Really, no. right? Yeah. I had a, I had a similar kind of arrangement with my grandfather. Um, mm-hmm. He was, he was always willing to, to open his wallet for, for books not for yeah. much anything else, um, <laughs> but books. Yeah, he would uh, he would open his wallet for that. Yeah, it was it was a good it was a good way to get the brain going as a kid too. Like, and and then he's like, if you'll read it, I'll pick it up for you. So I've got this book with like, was it was was second edition still Thacko? Like all that other stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah it was. Yep. Like, it's, it's like it was you know it might as well have been a magic tome at that point, right? Like this, <laughs> it's it's it was, but hey, it was math. But um, but just that pulled me right in and. Then I went looking for somebody to like get hooked with me because I was all by myself. I didn't have like somebody <laughs> else plays with me. Um, and then uh, what was it? What was it? So, what were my favorites? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God! I mean, I'm playing. I am running so many games right now in Five E that I because and it's so easy to teach that I think yeah. I'm I've got to put that as my favorite now because I'm I've spent basically the past 
12 months teaching people almost every week how to play. Um, and, and I appreciate the simplicity there. Um, I did, I was hooked on Pathfinder for a very long time because I liked the, how much it had. There was just so much of it. Yeah. Pathfinder was massive. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, and some of their, um, the tweaks that they had on some of the classic monsters and stuff I really liked. Um, I loved the old, um, D20 Star Wars, um, God, was that a, was that a Wizard of the Coast book? Remember, I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. I think I played it yeah. once. Yeah, all I remember, all I remember is that was where I learned the word laconic because you could play a laconic <laughs> scout, and I'm like, what is that? Well, so you just so you don't talk much at the table. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've got a I've got a shelf full of stuff that I still am dying to to try too. Like, because uh, but right now I'm playing so much of just basic D and D because that's what people are asking to play and um but yeah i've been i've tried i'll, I'll, I'll try anything once you know I, I'm, I'm uh i've got you can't see it behind me right now but uh there's just a wall of games um uh of of uh source books and yeah i'm um, like that too I, i'll play anything that's on the table i've played yeah, hundreds I, of systems and loved every one of them because it's something new and i'll take something from every system i've ever played and incorporate into the next one i play oh yeah yeah and just and i was a mildly gothy teenager so it, there was some world of darkness nonsense in my yep. in my misspent youth i think for a lot anybody anybody who ever never you know <laughs> drawn a little too much black <laughs> as a teenager that was you know <laughs> yeah there was some years there well, i never had to wear so. black everyone told me my soul was black enough so <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you said i think uh 5e is very uh simplistic now it's uh Rules light, way. yeah. Rules you know, light and, and role play heavy. Um, my daughter's actually getting to, getting together with some of her friends, and they're saying, "Dad, you're going to run this for me because I got the starter kit and essential kit for her." So mm -hmm. she's all happy about mm -hmm. that. So she's going to be learning how to play that. So she's she's ready to to go. Yeah, see, these two guys have kids that are teenagers now, and so they, so they get to teach him. I have no children because mm -hmm. the government has forbidden me to breed. <laughs> um, that's probably a good thing. Uh, but I've still influenced a, a fair number of people over my decades of playing. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy the teaching aspect of it very much. Yeah, it's, it's, fun. it's been funny with the number of people that have just asked to learn how to play that I never would have invited because I wouldn't have thought it was their thing. Um, well, well, it's become more, much, much more mainstream now. Much more. Yeah. yeah. In, in a positive yeah. way. I mean, yeah. it, it's as big as it was in the 80s, but for a different reason. Mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah, I would and venture to yeah. say it's even it's even bigger. It's getting to that point. I would yeah. say it's bigger myself. It's getting myself. to that point now. Yeah, yeah. yeah it almost feels like because it's 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 everywhere and it's not frowned upon. Like even even at its big at its height, you still kind of had the where you know yeah the, you had the schism the you had to deal with. Yep, yep, yep. And now um, the, I can get almost anybody at a table with an invitation. It's it's kind of it's funny. Like people I never would have anticipated sitting down or bu or buying. Well, um, overpriced right. dice. <laughs> right. Well, if you, if you think about it, um, you know, you got all these, uh, like Larian Studios just put out Baldur's Gate three. People mm -hmm. are jumping all over that like there's no tomorrow. Uh, you know, there's Baldur's Gate one, two, and uh, um, there's a couple other ones. So the kids are, not just kids, but everybody's starting to now become accustomed to the word Dungeons and Dragons, and it's not as um, not a bad word anymore. Well, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot it, of the it video, doesn't have yeah. the connotations that it did. You know, when, when we 60 Minutes up. did their their thing on it, and mm. uh, TSR had to kind of defend themselves, you know, in, in, in the content of the game. I think, like, things like, uh, you know, Critical Role with Matt Mercer's yep. crew, 
and Felicia Day doing a lot of a lot of stuff around that. You know, it's it's kind of like made Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know for lack of a better term, like you know, like sexy. Well, fantasy oh, and and you know, the fantasy has become much more acceptable. And on the heels of that, Dungeons and Dragons is right behind it because that's where a lot of this fantasy stemmed from. So they're like, oh well, fantasy is really cool. So I guess Dungeons and Dragons must be cool too. Yeah, it's funny to see like I mean, it's sort of the spiral. Like we were what twenty. 30, when did the when did Lord of the Rings come out? Like it feels like yesterday, <laughs> but it's probably been thirty years, right? Like I don't know. Yeah, I can't like, remember. Yeah, it was. Um, but, yeah, it was a long time yeah. ago. I think it's got to be coming up on close to twenty at this point. And, but yeah, then that, all of that easy, yeah. And then then lead lead into Game of Thrones for ten for eight to ten years on the air, and yep. then like like swords and dragons are cool and everybody knew yep. they were cool before but now it's okay to say it yep. out loud I, I, too, just, so. I, I just looked it up lord of the rings was in 2001 wow fellowship. Yeah. yeah yeah my my hair had color back then it was so yeah. long ago i had hair so i'm the only one here with hair yeah. oh wow we still think you yeah. blew ears on so you're not fooling anybody <laughs> And, uh, but but the, the idea of like fantasy being, even as we're talking, like the things that have come up that are just Harry Potter making magic cool, you know, like all that yeah. stuff, it's, yeah. it's become, yeah. there's all these little pieces that make it socially acceptable. And we're, we, as people who want to want to have a full table and have fun with people are reaping the benefits. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Actually, yeah, it's, it's the second coming of gaming, you know, of, mm-hmm. of fantasy gaming. That's and, a renaissance. And, and, and I, I love it. Cause man, I, I went through the, the hardcore satanic panic. Uh, I did like too, that. yeah. I mean, I was yeah. called in by my priest and want to know if there was something wrong with me yeah. because I played D&D. And I was like, I, I wasn't interviewed. I was interrogated. You know, yeah, it's, it, it, would, it, it, would, it was bad. And uh, now it's, you know. It's, I, it's socially I, acceptable I, I, now. I, go, I yeah. go to work and I hear kids, you know, the kids on my front. I'm, I work in a grocery store. I'm a, a department manager. And did we just lose you? I'm sorry. Can you? Hear me? Oh, okay. There. Yeah. You go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, I'm very I, still. I'm, I work in a grocery store. I'm a department manager there, and I'll hear the kids in the front end talking about gaming. And at first, yeah. I think it's a video game, and I'm listening. It's like, no, they're talking five E, and it's cool. So I mean, I'll walk by, and one of them will go, "Hey, by the way, that 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 guy there, he's got a podcast, and mm-hmm. and he's been cl- gaming for fifty years." I'm like, well, really? I gotta go talk to him. So I talk to the kids, and they're like, "Holy crap, really?" You know, so it, it, it it's it's fun in the break room sometimes when these kids start asking questions. That's because it's like talking to Saruman when they yeah, talk to Yeah, pretty you. much. <laughs> Somebody old and wise. That's it. Oh, Grand uh, Sage. I was wearing a shirt with a D20 on it or something. I forget. I had, you know, one of the ones that the um, it was either it was dice or there was something iconic on the shirt. And yeah. it was underneath a collared shirt. And I was cutting through an office and snuck through the sales department. And the kid just pop like kid, twenty five year old kid. Yeah. You know, pops his head around the corner. Like, you play? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got my game tonight. I'm, I'm a paladin. And he just starts telling me his whole story. And I'm like, <laughs> and this is and this is what you would have thought is like a meathead, like just bit like uh, the, the 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 five days a week at the gym shoulders, like the like the, the shirts. I pick like things up, I put things small. down. <laughs> yeah, and just like sticks his head around the corner, I'm like, yeah, you look like a paladin, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and but it was one of those awkward moments, like, but I've got to play some place to be, so I don't have time to talk about this. But normally, I would love to have someone just pull me aside because I happen to have, yeah, you know, uh, the polyhedral dice on my shirt uh, as I'm walking through an office. I, I get funny. that. I I got a couple uh, logos in the back of the truck, and I've had people pull up alongside me and honk. Hey, man, love your stat, you know, your tats on the back of the truck, man. That's cool. It's like, all right, that that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with this this change. I, it's it's a lot more fun than 
pretending you don't play, I suppose. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 De definitely. All right. So <laughs> moving on. Uh, hey, world building is usually the job of the DMGM. All right. We already know you run games for your group. So how many games are you running? You said you got a bunch. Oh, yeah. I, you answered the question before I even asked it. We know you run games. I run a lot what, of games. What you, I'm like running, one yeah. a night, you know, half dozen. What, what do you got going? When, when the pandemic started, I had made the mistake of saying I'd run a game for anybody who wanted to play. And I, was probably <laughs> running, I was probably running five games a week. It was unsustainable. But then again, we couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, so like, okay, I can run it. Uh, right now, I am regularly running three games a week. Um, cool. uh, and I get to, and one of the, one of the players or, or two of the players in one of the sessions was like, you ever get to play, like be a player? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here, Scott, Scott will be chiming pain. in. Scott, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. One of these days. I'm working on it, Scott. I'm working yeah. on it. I, I GM'd for nearly 40 years straight. And I came yeah. down on the Monday night game and announced um, after the end of this scenario, which would be the week following, I will no longer be game mastering. Um, you can come here and hang out if you want. If you want a game, someone else needs to pick it up. I am done. Mm -hmm. And they all just kind of looked at me shocked. And Scott picked up the game, and then another one did another one. They did a little round robin, but since then, po the poor mantle has fallen uh, very squarely in the middle of Scott's forehead. So, <laughs> fortunately, I have a large enough forehead, forehead. to uh, support it at the time. But there was, it was. I, but they actually invited me to play in, ironically, a superhero game using Five E. Um, so I play not every week, but pretty regularly with them, um, portraying a shadow monk that's a knockoff Daredevil. Um, and then I run three games. Not every, not every, you know, so it's hit or miss. You know, if, if more than half the group can't show up, then we might, we might not have it every single week. But right. um, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing full three games a week, and and now I started about halfway through the pandemic. I started to cheat and just start using the same game world. Like, okay, I'm already building pantheons. I'm already building cities and you know politics and stuff like that. It's all of these games are taking place in the same world so i don't have to keep track of multiple makes uh, sense multiple makes settings, sense you know? yep. so yeah. you're homebrewing is that what you do do you homebrew your your game world yeah yeah one of them actually started off um using one of the i was using ghost of salt marsh to start with mm -hmm. um but after a while the players were so creative and i started to go off book pretty fast so i kind of used that as like okay here's my little kickoff as a seaside town and then it just I started building out from there where that seaside town would be. And so we, I, I stole liberally from uh, that particular source book um, <laughs> to get the kit thing started. And then the groups that came along after that um, ended up being fully homebrewed. Actually, one of them, because I didn't think everybody was going to show up because it's a pandemic, like, I oh, would we'll just do a game on a Sunday night. Whoever shows up, you can play. Um, so I was just doing Monster of the Week. Um, so they became, I called it, it's the setting was like, if Witcher weren't so grim kind of a thing like uh <laughs> this is before we realized that witcher was actually pretty funny but you know like that kind of monster hunter um style thing and it just turned into this epic adventure and the, uh, the regular six or seven people started showing up every single week and the ones that weren't going to stick around dropped off and then that became a setting and i'm like okay i guess i'm world building this too <laughs> <laughs> and and then but the fun part is that's actually becoming part of the story world that i'm building because if i'm putting all all of this energy into building a world for the players it's already here in my head um yeah. i might as well use it for the story that i'm telling professionally as well um, cool. so everything's all sort of in interconnected so that um 
nothing's wasted. You know, I'm using every part of the elephant or the yeah. buffalo. Yeah. Well, we kind of did something similar with what we're doing now. Yep. So we ran mm -hmm. a, a week-long campaign for the last 12 years. A whole group of guys shows up. And we've had as many as 22 and Oof, as few as – At the table at one time? Well, we run multiple tables, parallel things. Um, but same thing. We, we kept building our own stuff and homebrewing and homebrewing. Uh, to mm -hmm. the point where now we basically have our we don't basically we have our own world, um, politics, pantheons, the whole bit, everything's you know created from scratch, and that's what everyone's familiar with, and that's what everyone wants to play in. We try to drag mm -hmm. them somewhere else, like no, 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 we'll we'll go to the world, yeah, so, and they and they enjoy it because they're familiar with it, and they help build it too. That's uh, I was um. Because some of the players got very much into the character side of things, and so I started doing little side, like couple of hours, like just want to like talk to NPCs or kind of explore the world without worrying about building a combat scenario or really even worrying about stats or anything. Just, and they were asking questions that would then force me to build the world more, mm -hmm. um, and that became incredibly useful for me as a writer and as a DM. Like, keep asking the questions that you want to know the answers to, and I might not know them on the spot, but we'll come up with something together. <laughs> I'll figure um, it out. Yeah, and a lot of what came out of that was just building out the world as they needed. I, I was I was thinking of it as the because as a fantasy writer, you tend to get. I've never seen nothing. I've never seen anything bogged down fantasy or any type of writer more than having to build the whole world before you start writing. You know, like you got to know where all the mountains are. You got to know where every river is. And I almost look at it as instead of like um, like a video game with the fog of war, where you can't see beyond where you've been. Yep. Um, as, as the character in the game. And I kind of try to write like that, like to build as much world as you need so you don't box yourself in and you don't get um, overwhelmed and panic and then stop writing or stop DMing. Like, oh no, well, <laughs> I don't know what happens from here. Well, that's okay, you know? And and and, uh, and that's where I see DMing and writing kind of tying together so well is that um, don't overbuild the world and let, let the characters take the where, where you, the parts that you have to build out, you know? That works. That works. So that leads us into our next question. What's your gaming, GMing style and philosophy? Um, I always say I'm on the player side. I know some folks really like the adversarial kind of, you know, um, GM versus the players uh, challenge. I My philosophy is I want to be the biggest fan of their characters and and take, the, take them through a story that they can – really delve into um i got a really great compliment from a player the other night that she said that she's been playing for 20 years and hasn't had the depth of character questions like she's played she's had fun she's you know it, they've been fun adventures but asking you know really who the character is and, and what they want um so my philosophy is almost to tell the story um with them or tell let them tell their story and mm -hmm. i want to be on their side i don't want them to feel like they've got to fight me on anything because i'm at the end of the day it's our story together, not mine for them to live in. I'm just mostly there to adjudicate the story <laughs> to make sure it gets to some sort of an end, you know, uh, well or some put. sort of conclusion. So, yeah, my, my philosophy is, uh, is definitely like, uh, at least at least for me, I, wanna, I want it to be a story that they want to explore and I want to be on their side. Um, I want to be a fan of their characters. That's cool because we've found that most of the um, more experienced, older GMs and storytellers are have a very similar point of view. It's it's all about the players, and we've both said that a number of times ourselves. It's we haven't run into much of the adversarial. I usually find that with the younger GMs, the, the newer GMs, the newer GMs, yes, yeah. That you know, it's like me versus you, and and but as they mature and as they get older, and you know, they they see other play styles. It's like wow, okay, a lot can come out of 
it if you just play with the characters and you set it against them. Yeah, that's it's uh, there's a, it, it, I think it almost comes out of you got to grow out of the video game mindset. I was yep. just about to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, I've got one player who loved when, when she first started playing, it was always trying to find the way to counteract what I was throwing at them very in a gamey kind of a, a game way, like a um, you know, what what loadout do I need for my character to beat this <laughs> particular scenario. And I almost had to, I kind of had to say, like, I'm never going to throw you in a situation you can't find a way out of. You might not find the way out of it, but I'm never going to put you in an impossible situation as a character. I want I want you to find have I want there to be an avenue for success. Um, and so, you know, like, just trust me. It's OK. You don't have to know the answer before you sit down at the table. You can find the answer when you're playing. Um, but but she's a hardcore gamer. She's a, a, like re- a very talented, hardcore gamer. And she wants to solve problem solve. Um, so I was. Um, it was actually sort of something I learned, like, oh, this is the the video game philosophy versus the tabletop philosophy because I'm a terrible video gamer. I'm an absolute, <laughs> like, I am awful. I, I, I finished nothing. I'm the guy that's, you know, I played a game of Skyrim and just raid, raised bees instead of fighting dragons. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm bad, <laughs> game, you know? So, and, and so um, I kind of had to figure out, okay, what is fun for the video game gamer and where, where do those two things kind of overlap and where can you find some common ground? Um, and how do you build trust? Because they're so used to the game being out to get them. <laughs> you know, like this is true. Yeah. <laughs> if you play too much, you know, like it's like trust me, I'm not running Dark Souls here. It's this is this is not we're not trying to ruin your day. Like this is, this is we're, we're having fun. Um, trust is a that, huge that, thing, you know. When you're mm-hmm. between players and DMs, you know, it's it's um, there's that social contract, and you have to you have to trust that your DM is you know gonna gonna do good by it and be respectful and accommodating and you know deliver a, a fun and enjoyable game experience you know? while well, i agree with you i think um that's like i said a little hard because a lot of guys are still coming from a video game yeah um, like i said i play Baldur's gate quite a bit i played with you guys um as a matter of fact we even had one person here at, at our table once um nevitz he when he was playing with us, it was like a video game. He was gonna go. He was gonna go do this and this and this because he wanted to make sure it was he was going to win. Yeah. Um, you know, I had to explain to him later that we had to remind him because he did play D and D in the past, but because he was so ingrained into the video game world, it changed his whole perspective on everything. Yeah. And that's where it's all what it's all about: it's perspective on or different making a difference between a video game and then the tabletop game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that idea of winning um and winning is being at the table with your friends right like that's yep that's yep. how you Thank win you. You. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. i say it all the time yep yeah Lou's our biggest proponent for that yeah mm-hmm. I'll, I'll steal it steal it you know the quote from him he he says he comes to the game to be with his friends the game is an excuse to be here yeah it, it's so more important to be with his friends so mm-hmm. well yeah like and like you said we've been friends for you know forever and a day Longer than we haven't. Um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. to me, the game is an excuse to come and hang out with my friends. I don't even care if we just character build or if we just shoot the shit. Um, I'd rather be with my friends and enjoy the game that way. Yep. And it's funny. That actually was what my fear was when the lockdown happened. Um, because I'd been... I was doing two games maybe on a good month, twice a month. Um, uh, on a bad month, you know, maybe once a, once a month per, per group. And um, when 
the pandemic hit, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm not going to lose my friends. I'm going to lose my time with my friends, you know, like we'll stay in touch, but we're not going to have that Sunday afternoon or that Thursday night around the table, having a beer and laughing. And like, I had like actual panic, like <laughs> I'm never going to see him again. You know what I mean? And, and, and uh, the first, right when every like, okay, nobody's going to talk to anybody. You all got to stay home. Um, you guys want to try doing it online? I mean, it might not be as much fun as being together. And so we played at a usual time, Friday night. I set up an extra camera, pointed at the table because I'm an, I'm addicted to minis. So I had to have <laughs> I had to have my map of minis. No 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 theater of the mind for me. And um, I, I mean I like theater of the mind, but I'm also going to have the minis on the table because I painted them. They're gonna be on the table. But uh, <laughs> you know, like, I put the time in. They're gonna be on the table whether we need them or not. But um, the we played through the session. It went really well. We're all on camera, and at the end. Um, because nobody could leave the house anyway. So he's like, so do you want to get, you guys want to play more often than once a month? Like we could play a lot more often if we just got to log on and we don't have to schedule anything. And one of the, and, and, and he says, I mean, I'm free tomorrow. And then we all laugh and he goes, yeah, yeah, but no, I'm serious. I'm free tomorrow. Like this is, <laughs> this, is I, this is great. Like let's play all the time. And, and that, that's how the, we went from one Sunday afternoon a month to every Friday night, um, same group shows up every week. Uh, and it was all because, and at the beginning we were more often than that, but it was that whole of like, we're, we need to be with our friends. And if our being with our friends is, you know, fighting Sahuagin, okay. <laughs> you know, yep, <laughs> that's yep. the one way to do it. But. Yeah, I had a game running at my house since 1978 every week, religiously, um, mm-hmm. until the pandemic hit. So we started a podcast instead. There you go. <laughs> so we don't have a table full of people, <laughs> but I got two of my closest friends here and we do this every week instead. And that time mm-hmm. is is precious, and yeah. it, you know you're you're absolutely right. You won't you won't lose your friends because you don't see them, but that you'll lose that time, and that time is that mm-hmm. time is precious. So I think it becomes more valuable the older you get. Yeah, yeah. What's the what's the saying? You, the the older you get, the more you need people that knew you when you were young. Is that the way that the the the, the, the old philosophy? Like you need people that actually know who you are. Um, Sounds and, close enough. We can go yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll keep it. I didn't write it, so I don't know. <laughs> Somebody else said it. Somebody smarter than me. So, all right. We spoke briefly about uh, DMing as is how it's helped you mentally and emotionally, mm-hmm. and your well-being during the pandemic. I mean, you want to expand on that a little bit? I mean, uh, just yeah. Actually, I just oh, I, I want to say just, but it was probably like three weeks ago. I wrote um, a piece for Medium on um, I'm going to botch the title, but it was like uh, how. Dungeons and Dragons saved my life during COVID. Um, <laughs> and I say it like jokingly, but part of it is like um, what I realized very early on for a lot of the players, for certain groups, like they were, this was a vent for the stress of 2020 um, yep. and myself as well. But I, I'll sacrifice my own time and my own mental health for other people. But if I feel like they needed it, that would, um, I'd keep it going. And what I, found out was like if we can't we couldn't cancel a game like uh, there was something one of the many bad things happened i forget which one of the many bad things happened um and one of my more socially um minded friends was like should we cancel a game and like i don't know go to a protest or i don't know just be think about you know talk about the world and i'm like i called her i'm like i honestly think a couple of us literally need this for mental health like we're all we're all good we're all socially aware people i think we need our night together to go fight monsters because i think that's the healthy thing to do um and it turns out 
uh, a lot, if not the entire group, actually had been relying on this time together playing pretend and telling yeah. a story for mental health. Like it really was a mental. And for me, I, um, I mean, I've got you know history of mental health. I got it, 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 won't go into it too much, but like it's it's an outlet, and you got to find a healthy outlet for those things, right? And 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 running games for my friends was like, wow, I am. It was one of those shocking moments. Like, oh boy. I think that I think this is my medication. Like I really think this is my medication is 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 telling stories with my friends, um, and uh, and to find out that I wasn't the only one relying on those games um, to to get through a particularly bad year together. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something um, to be said for a little disassociation. Yeah, yeah, yeah healthy yeah. disassociation. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it works wonders for for your well being, and um, it's it's. You know, you, you you look at what you get out of it when you're sitting around the table. You're there with your friends. Your co- collaborative storytelling is taking place. There's that that um, um, that conscious suspension of disbelief, you know, and mm-hmm. and and stepping into a um, a fantasy realm and outside of your day to day activities and, and and even outside of your own skin um, to do these big big things. Or even Ever. little things. <laughs> yeah. One of the, uh, one of the, a better DM than I am. I forget. I think it might have been Brendan Lee, Brendan Lee Mulligan, but I'm not sure. One of the, one of the celebrity DMs that are out there running, um, the, running a game um, pointed out that the brain can't tell the difference between victories. Like a, a pretend, an imaginary victory in a game of Dungeons and Dragons kicks off the same endorphins mm-hmm. and the same hormones that like a life victory does. So of course it's it's beneficial. Like if slaying that dragon or, you know, defeating that evil noble or whatever whatever your goal is in a game, like that, your brain just goes ding success. Here, have some endorphins. Feel better. It's real. It's a real emotion for people, you know. Um, and and we, we 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 can call it playing pretend all we want, but it really is. It's it's a shared what a shared voluntary hallucination together. You know, we we um. We're in, and it's in the and your brain reacts to those successes the same way that um, that we would any any normal victory in life, I guess. Um, that being said, I'm gonna call my next uh, paladin dopamine. <laughs> Sir dopamine. <laughs> Sir dopamine. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. I, to- <laughs> I was just about to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing is, he will. Yeah, I will. <laughs> if that doesn't, if that, if, 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 but the question is, do you do like a fantasy spelling or do you do a literal spelling? Oh, I'll do a fantasy spelling. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, heck, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll come up with something. So, Matt, tell our listeners where we can find your stories. Um, easiest places to find me, um, MatthewVillian.com, uh, my website. Um, I'm also over on Amazon and um, occasionally your local bookstore, especially if you're in the Northeast. Um, and uh, I'm easy enough to find online. I, I'm. It's one of those things when you're an author, you're basically required to be on social media all the time. So uh, Matt Philly on Twitter is an easy place to find me if anybody ever wants to talk shop writing. I'm always, I'm, I will never turn down a chance to talk about writing and storytelling or D&D. <laughs> so let's not forget uh check out the indestructible series especially especially if you have some young kids at home and and they're a, a fantastic read for for grown-ups it was very very nostalgic reading all of these stories so the indestructibles awesome 
Um, echo in the sea. I'm waiting to find out what, what goes on with this uh, conflict between the surface world and Atlantis and uh, the Dungeon Crawler series. That was probably my personal favorite. Go check those books out. So thank, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our episode with author and DM Matthew Fillion. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll see you next week in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day. <laughs>